according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So that's like a warning. Like something is about to happen. But I've given you a word to not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, meaning it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. So God is like giving a warning saying that this is what I'm going to do. But before he tells you what he's about to do, he says, here's what you need to do as children of God. Fear not. And he says, and I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. So a shaking is going to take place that is going to restore the glory of God to the temple. Last week, if you remember when we spoke about the temple, we weren't speaking necessarily to a physical building or a structure. We're speaking to what the New Testament refers to as a temple of God, which is the body. And so a shaking is going to take place that will restore God's glory to God's people, meaning in their lives. So God is saying, fear not. The glory is about to come upon you because revival is about to take place. Some shaking is going to happen and that shaking is for the purpose of the restoring of the glory of God in your life. Some changes is about to take place in your life but that is for the restoration of God's glory in your life. Some bad things are going to be circling you, but that is because there's a restoration of God's glory that is about to take place. So fear not. When you see the trembling, when you see the shaking, when you hear the rumbling, fear not. Glory is on his way. And it's coming directly to you. Amen? So the, if there's anything that we should rejoice about in this time, that though the pandemic, the, the virus has caused a shaking globally, there is a glory that is there coming to me. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So Heavenly Father, we thank you and we bless you this morning. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you'll open our eyes to see your truth, open our ears to hear your voice and our minds to understand your word. God, we desire that our hearts will receive everything you have in store for us. Change us from the inside out in the name of Jesus. We decrease this morning, Spirit of the living God, so that you would increase in our midst. This moment is yours, this people is yours, this word is yours, this church is yours. So God, you take all the glory. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise because it belongs to you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Let me just give you a little biblical history or understanding of the return of Christ. You can read about that in Revelation 19. For the sake of time, I won't go through the whole thing, but you can read it in, 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 in the book of Revelations, uh, chapter 19, speaks about heaven, exalt over Babylon and Christ coming on the white horse as king of kings and lord of lords. Revelation 19. So there are a few hints 
of things that must change or come about before the rapture and before the return of Christ. And you see that there are certain things that must happen before Christ returns or before the rapture. And three of them are the return of the nation of, nation of Israel to its land. That's one thing that must happen, right? And many say that that has happened, right? 1944, they returned to their land. They were scattered all over, and, right? And they have all returned back to the land. And that is why you have the Palestinian and the Israeli having this conflict. Because the Palestinians were there and the Israelite, the Jewish people, came back and said, this is our land. Amen? Right? So that 1948, sorry, it happened, not 44, 48. Right? Um, and Ezekiel, Isaiah, and Amos speaks about this. Then you will have the coming together of Europe into one system. That's one of the other things that will happen. The book of Daniel speaks about this. And so Europe is supposed to come together as one whole system. All right? And then the other thing is that there will be the rise of Babylon in modern day Iraq. Right? And that is again Daniel. That's in Daniel and in Revelation. So those three things are indication that Christ is about to return. Now what happened in 1948? And the other two like has happened. If you realize that, that you, had the, you have the European Union and most of Europe, ex- except that they had the breaks it recently, right? So that, that's, that's the thing. But there's the European Union and more and more people are going to have to fall into that. And this is one of the reasons why people are saying that, listen, there's going to be a system where if you get the vaccine or you don't have the vaccine you can't go certain places because nations are going to come together and do all of that alright but please understand the vac- vaccine is for curing the thing it's not no mark on obese amen and if you're a believer and you're worried about the mark of obese you need to you need to come to the altar amen If, if you are concerned about the mark of the beast, come to the altar right now. You need priors. Because you're not saved. And, and I'm serious. Are, are you coming? I'll just check it. Anyway. So when we see all these things happen, we know that the time may be drawing close for the rapture and the return of Christ to establish his eternal kingdom. Now, there have been some New Testament shake-ups in the Bible. And you can read that in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, from 18 to 24. Um, we look at a couple of those um, in, in, as we go on. But I've given us some history. So the author of Hebrews tells us that we need to look back and remember God's working and holiness. And that there will be more shaking in the completion of the new covenant. So these verses in Hebrews describe the removal of the things that can be shaken. And the eternity of the things that cannot be shaken. So it is intended for us to think of the Old Testament passage, the author quotes, which is our main text in Haggai. So if you go to Hebrews and read it, it's really coming, Hebrews 12, 18 to 24, is speaking to the shaking that Haggai chapter 2 deals with. The prophecy of Haggai chapter 2 is what Hebrews chapter 12 18 to 24 is referencing. I want to talk also about Rahab a little bit in Joshua chapter 2. 
You see, Rahab was a prostitute who lived in Jericho, right? She was neither a Jew nor a righteous woman. But her faith in the one true God earned for her, earned much for her. Knowing that the God of Israel was the true God, she hid the spies who were scouting in Jericho. Later in the story, as Joshua and, and the Israelites conquered Jericho with a marching and horn blowing, the walls crumbled, but not Rahab and her house. So I'm going to speak about that because remember a shaking took place, but Rahab's house remained. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down, and she was living on the walls, and she was preserved because of her faith in God. You know what that says to you and I? That even in the shaking, when we are in God, hallelujah. So even though her house was a part of the crumbled wall, her small part stayed intact because of her faithfulness. Rahab is a true story of faith and being on sure footing despite everything around her shaking and crumbling, which is why she's included in God's hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. And that's what I want to say to all of us this morning. In spite of all the shaking going around, if you anchor your faith in God, you can stand on solid ground in the midst of the shaking. Don't be perturbed. Have faith in God. So the goal of this message on shaking things up for revival is to learn how to prepare for the disruption that God brings in our lives. Sometimes God will bring disruptions and if you're not prepared for it, you're going to lose heart and some people lose faith. It's also to help us to understand that even though God often shakes things up, up for us, he uses these troubles to produce great things in our lives. So the shaking oftentimes produces greater things. They have this thing that they used to make, they call it, I, I mean, I, I don't want to use the name because some of you don't know it, they call it shamshuki or shamah, shamashuki, shuki. You know shamshuki? Any of you know shamshuki? Brother Kevin, know, Brother Kevin and I know Shamshuki. You don't know Shamshuki. You get the corn, right, Brother Kevin? And you, and, and you what? You roast the corn and you put it in a little thing. You call it Asham. Asham is a corn. We call it Shamshuki. That thing requires a lot of shaking. But when, when you taste it, man, sit. You have to sit. It has to be sit. You have to shake it. But when it is done, it's sweet. So sometimes, shaking is necessary. You call it asham, people. Some people call it asham. Some call it shamshuki. It's the same thing. <laughs> so this message contains both bad and good news. Even the people of God sometimes focus too much on making sure things go smoothly and according to their plan and timetable. This message will give us a solid biblical example of the good reasons behind God's often puzzling way of shaking things up for his people. Shaking us to turn things around. 
It also reveals the truth that when God shakes things up in our lives, he wants to reveal what is often invisible to us in the normal routine of life. He said there is nothing wrong with having plans and schedules, but sometimes we need a disruption or even a trouble that forces us to focus on things we hadn't seen before. Sometimes life is just on this plateau. Like there are no bumps to bring you up. And sometimes you need a little shaking to knock you off course so you can see things differently. Because you have become so accustomed to one thing and one way and we can't see anything new that God is doing. One of the greatest detriment to us seeing God's new thing is because of our custom we have gotten to the old thing that God did. And God did something for you and you have been riding that wave though God has moved on. And the only way he can get you to see the new thing is to shake you from where you are. Change up some things and bring disruption. And many of us, our lives have been disrupted by this pandemic. And for some of us, it has caused us to change how we practice our Christianity. How we live out our faith. Because no longer were we depending on being in church on a Sunday morning. Being around people every day to keep our faith going. We had to come up with a, a better Bible reading plan. A better structure to our prayer life. More intense devotional time. More intense. And if you don't do that, then you would fall away. But the shaking was necessary to shift you into a different place. And into a new way of operating and living out your Christian faith. Well, maybe not for all of us, but at least for some of us. So we need these disruptions. We need God to, to shake things up, to bring about great things and even better results. So we tend to panic and get frustrated when things get thrown out of whack. But it is in these times that God often is trying to tell us that he's, be, he's about to do something big in our lives. We don't like it. We like organized and sometimes God likes to disorganize things because his ways are not our ways. So the prophet Haggai and the priest Zerubbabel, the leader of God's reorganization of his people, knew what the shake-up was all about. Once they changed their priorities and put the Lord first, things began to get stirred up. Even though this may have caused some uneasiness for the people, God's messenger knew that what they needed was on the other side of this God-driven upheaval. The leaders knew that God had something better planned on the other side of the shake-up. The people never liked it, but there was something better on the other side. Without God and his desire to grow us and be worshipped by us, Things would just stay the same. Listen, if God don't shake things up, we stay the same. That's why you need trouble. And you need trials. And you need testing. You need heartache. You need letdowns. You need breakdowns. You need breakups. Because very few people grow when everything is easy going. 
That is why sometimes your life just needs to be messed up so that it can be better. It's just like you get a property, you purchase a property, and you want to build a mansion, but there's a building there. You have to demolish the entire building so you can lay a new foundation. Because if you add new to the old, further down the road it may crumble. Amen? Besides being really boring and having a lack of vision, we don't actually want things to stay the same forever. See, God's people need a fresh touch from the Lord. And we often need things readjusted so that He remains supreme in our lives and worship. Sometimes we get so busy, we get caught up in our own thing, pursuing all kind of stuff. And so God is no longer number one. And, and you know what happened? He needs to just get you fired. Close the company down. Just mash up the relationship. Just take away the visa. Just stop the, 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 the channels of finances so that he can become number one again. Many times it's amazing how easy it is for us to have other things in number one but still believe God is. Like we deceive ourselves. The worst place you can live in is in this place called deception. I always tell you that the struggle with deception is that the person who is deceived always believes that they are living in truth. That is the deceptive nature of deception. You don't even believe it is wrong. Because you have convinced yourself. That's the, that, that's the thing with deception. You convince yourself that something is, though it isn't. And that's what many of us do. We convince ourselves that God is number one, though he isn't. God may be a God who doesn't change. But his people should be ready for change and shake-ups that he brings upon the earth. Being ready and obedient and faithful in the midst of changes. Show him our true faith and brings us into a closeness with our Savior that we never even knew existed. You see, you can't draw closer to the Lord and move from where you are simply by staying in this. You can't draw closer to the Lord and move from where you are or simply by staying in, this, in place. So you can draw closer to the Lord or you can simply stay where you are. And if you're going to get closer, some shaking is going to have to take place. Things, you can't get closer to God if you're doing the same thing the same way every day. Something must change. So let's be ex excited when God shake up our lives and our schedules. Because if we remain in him throughout, great things are in front of us. For a true reviving work of the spirit of God to take place, things have to be shaken first. Every time God is going to do a big move, things get shaken. David had to be shaken. Jacob had to be shaken. Moses had to be shaken. You and I need to be shaken. If we are going to see the better on the other side. We need to remember this and praise the Lord for his coming change. When we cry out God of revival, we are crying out for shaking. 
Because if things are going to change, then shaking is necessary. So let me begin in your notes. You see, God has a plan for us despite the troubles. Despite the shaking, you have to walk in this confidence. God has a plan for me. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are not plans to harm you. They are plans to give you a hope and a good end. God has a plan for me. Yes, there are some troubles all around. They are shaking all around. The pandemic affected many things. Guess what? But God has a plan for me. And if God has a plan for me, then when the shaking is over, then things must get better. His spirit always abides with us. In the trouble, in the pain. He never forgets us. Even in the turmoil of life, God is standing right there. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He never forgets you. Even in the trouble. God is not a God that is going to leave you in your trouble to try and throw something down here to pick you up. No. He's going to be in the valley with you. He's going to be in the ocean with you. He's going to be in the fire with you. That's how God operates. God don't send us through it alone. When Moses said, who shall I send? Send me. You know that God was with Moses. God did not send Moses to Egypt. He went with Moses to Egypt. Being closer to God means there will be some movement. There, there will be some movement. And God's shaking are intentional and they are purposeful. You see, a shaking from God is usually something unexpected that disrupts life. So we need shaking to bring us back to God so that we can prioritize Him. I think, I think for the church, like I said this last week, and I think one of the things that has happened, and when I say church, I speak in generally the church of God globally, is that many people, because of the harshness of the times that we are in, have shifted the priority in their lives. Remember that God can only be number one. So if God is not number one, he's not there. Let me, let me say this again. Is either he's in first place or he's not there. Because God cannot be number two. It's impossible for God to be anything except number one in our lives. So if he's not the first priority in our lives, he's not in our lives. So, simple put. Things need to be shaken so that he can be number one. Much like the birth process. The process of huge change is not always comfortable. It often involves pain and inconveniences. When a person gets pregnant, change must take place. If you are pregnant and you're not changing, you're not pregnant. There is much pain. There is much inconvenience. Labor pains are the mother's body and the baby saying that something new and wonderful is about to emerge. But the painful process must take place first. 
That's, that, that, that's, that's the thing we learn from child's birth. The painful process must take place first before the new and wonderful comes forth. In other words, for you to see the new thing and the wonderful thing that God is doing, the revival that you're crying out for, the revival we're crying out for, there must be some pain. And there's pain in the shaking. And so we used to sing a song uh, back in the day. It says, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. It says, in, in, in the land of this offer, um, though there's praise in the offering, blessed be your name. It comes from the scripture from Job. It says, you give and take away, you give and take away. But my heart will choose to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. He gives and he takes away. And simply put, that many times we don't like to endure the pain, but we like the reward that pain produces. And if you really want the reward, you must go through the shaking. Sometimes when God changes things, the process is difficult and even painful. But we know the end result will be something new and beautiful. Are you willing for God to shake you? Are you ready for the shaking? I'm telling the church, be prepared for shaking. Here's why you need to be prepared. The person who is unprepared for shaking is going to fall away. When things get difficult, if you're unprepared, you're going to fall away from faith. Stop believing and stop trusting God. Colossians 1 verse 18 says this. He is also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So that he himself will, will come to have first place in everything. Remember we read this last week? That he must be first place. And God has to shake things many times so that he can be first place in our lives. Because he's not. You see, God will shake us when he's not our priority. It's like moving stuff. Like, like, like God is saying, listen, alright? I, I know you really, really love me. But, but you're not, I'm not your number one. So here's what. I, 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 I want to be number one. So here's what. I'm going to shake you. And I'm going to shake off all the things that are priority over me in your life. So, so, you remember last week I said to you, be careful what you put before God. Because they may get hurt in the shaking. You may end up losing something that you could have kept because you put it in its wrong place. Listen, there are some things that God will bless you with. And if you made the mistake and put them before God, you will end up losing them. When all you had to do is to keep them in their proper place. People have lost ministry because they have put the ministry above God. And when the shaking takes place because God is going to be number one, those things get shaken off completely. People have put money, business, relationship, children before God. And when the shaking takes place, those things get shaken off. So be careful 
that you don't put the things that God has blessed you with in God's place. Lest you lose them in the shaking. See, often God does things we have never seen before. This is why shaking is necessary. God wants to do a new thing. Because going to a new place requires experiencing new things. And when we call out for revival, we're saying, God, we want to go to a new place. We're tired of this routine uh, Christian living. This mundane, everyday, doing the same, not feeling any fire. The song we did, it says, like a fire shut up in my bones. We know that something is missing. We know that there is more to God than we are presently experiencing. We cry out and say, God, I want a new encounter with you. God, I want to experience you in a new way. Yes, and that is true. Because going to a new place in God means that we will experience new things. When God brought Israel out of Egypt... They saw new things. If you go to Exodus 14, the things that the the Israelites were seeing when they were coming out of Egypt, they had never seen before. They have never seen the sea parted. They had never seen manna. They have never seen bitter water turn sweet. There are some things that you will not experience until God begins to shake you. Abraham saw new things when he was willing to offer Isaac. In Genesis 22, 1-24. All of a sudden, a ram caught in the thicket. Saw the provision of God. And you know what he said? This place shall be called Jehovah Jireh. There are some things that God wants us to see that we have never seen before. But there's a shaking that needs to take place. Because we are still living in our last experience. We are still living on our last revelation. We are still living on our last encounter. As some people say we are living on fumes. Like man, that, that fire has long blown out. But you are still at the fireplace. It's time to move. Even if the situations are scary and shaky, God is with his people. So going into the unknown requires great faith in the guide. And this is the danger. Man, you have to have faith in God. Because you think it was easy to leave Egypt? What did the people say? The first time they faced obstacles, what did they say? Let us go back. If you're going to go to the new place of revival that God is bringing you, you're going to have to have faith in the guide. Why? Because... You're going to have a sea to cross and rivers to go by. Sometimes provision won't be like the last place that you were. Everything is unfamiliar to you. You see, there was a time when you had enough food and enough bread. But he's bringing you to, bringing you to a place where here's what happened. You have to get bread just for today. You have to trust for tomorrow. You don't know where water is going to come from. But he's going to cause water to come from a rock. It's like, like God, I don't know where I'm going, but I know who my guide is. Listen, I have, I have complete faith in your ability to lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. 
So yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I like how the psalmist puts it. Because though the psalmist is speaking about green pastures, he also speaks about dark valley. The same guy that can keep you in green pastures, you have to trust him when he's bringing you through the dark valleys. But we have a way of trusting the guide only in green pastures because we are flourishing in those times. But in the dark valley, we want to take on things of our own. We want to go back to what we are used to because we don't like change. We don't like shaking. You see, if God, God says, this, I'm going to move you now and God starts moving, you know what we do? I need to get back a job. I've seen countless people put job before God and business. And they shake and shake the business away. And their first priority is to not trust the guide to do what he's going to do next. But they still want to revert to the old. In other words, the only way I can survive is by going back to the old instead of trusting in the guide. Now, maybe the guy wants you to get back a job, start back a business. Nothing is wrong with that. It's like relationship. Sometimes our relationships become number one. And God shakes them. And before we trust the guide, you know what we try to do? Get the next relationship. Going in unknown requires great faith in the guide. Though pain may be involved, it produces great things. Trust God. Trust the guide. Because great things are on the other side. Christ may well be changing the world now to prepare for his return. So get ready. So tune in to God when things start to shake. When shaking starts to take place, listen, make sure your anchor is holding. Make sure you're tuned in to God. Make sure you hear what he's saying. Make sure you can see what he's doing. Make sure you're leaning in on God. Because this is where you're going to need a solid rock. And Jesus Christ is that rock. You don't want the shaking to be taking place and you're on sand. Or slippery slope. When the shaking starts, you want to make sure that you're tuned in and locked into God. Church, things are going to shake in the nations. And you want to make sure that when the shaking is taking place, your anchor holds in the Lord. You see, when bad weather approaches, we listen to the weatherman. Although the weather interrupts us, we pay attention to it. When breaking news pops up, it's because there's something that needs to be said. The shaking up is not just in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament as well. But when uh, breaking news pops up, it's because there's something that needs to be said. So here's the thing. We say revival. And if revival is going to take place, you have to hear what God is about to say. And say so in the Old Testament, there was some shaking. But in the New Testament... Shaking took place. Hebrews chapter 12, as I said before, it says, verse 18, For you have come, you have not come to this mountain. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and to a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind and to the blast of a trumpet 
and the sound of words. Which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not cope with the command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who is enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Simply put, church, we need to pay attention to both the past and the future shakeups of God. If you go further down in Hebrews 12, verse 27 says, This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken. Let me read that again. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. God will shake the kingdoms of this world. We have an unshakable kingdom. When we stand in the Lord, no matter what the trouble is, no matter what the trial is, no matter what the shaking is, we have a solid rock in Christ. We are part of a kingdom that is unshakable. The kingdom of God will never be destroyed. The kingdom of the world's will. The money will. The house will. The business will. The other stuff around us, they all will. But God's kingdom will remain. So if there's one place you want to be in the shaking, is in God's kingdom. Because it shall not be moved. And if I'm in it, I have security. If I'm in it, I am secure. Do you understand that? That, that we are holding on possibly. Many of us are holding on to some things that are shakable. When we have a God who is a king in an unshakable kingdom. Let me just move on. You see, God allows us to continue on the wrong path until the, until the need for change is obvious. It's like when the prodigal son came to his senses. We need to see a need for change. Do, do you see a need for change in your own life? Like God, I, and there, there must be more. Listen, there must be more to God's kingdom than what we are presently experiencing. And see, so when we see need for change, he can do something in us. Until we can say 
like, you know what? I need change. Until we get to that place, nothing new can happen in us. Because God wants to manifest his presence in a new way. Sometimes he simply wants us to have better spiritual health. That's what God wants. But we have to see the need for change. God will need change. There's more than this. Listen, listen. You could not have given up the world for just an ordinary boring life. There's a dunamis power that is available in God's kingdom. There's healing available in God's kingdom. There's great reward and great joy and great peace available in God's kingdom. And we should not settle, settle for less, less than that. See, just because things around us are shaking doesn't mean we need to shake. The world is insecure, but God's kingdom is secure. I'm not afraid of the pestilence. I'm not afraid of the terror. I'm not afraid of the arrow. Why? Because I'm in a secure kingdom. I don't fear what men can do because I'm in a secure kingdom. People say, Pastor, you always talk about death because I know where I'm going. I'm not clinging on to this life. I'm clinging on to eternal life. Because this life, listen, I have no control over this present life. So I'm clinging on to eternal life. Because that's what really matters. It's not a mansion here on earth that matters. It's a mansion in heaven. It's not my, 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 my way of getting healed of any sickness here on earth. It is knowing that I'm going to a place where there is no sickness. See, we need to shift focus and understand that, listen, I need to ensure that I'm in this secure kingdom that is unshakable. Because everything else around me is going to shake. The best relationships get shaken. The wealthiest around us get shaken. Probably the strongest structures you saw it on 9-11. That no matter how secure you are, in this world, you are still insecure. And the only secure place is the kingdom of God. How do I know? Rahab. Rahab is an example. Because Rahab... The walls of Jericho. The scripture said the walls. She had a place on the wall. And the scripture said. And the walls came tumbling down. But the part where Rahab was remained. What a God. When you are in Christ church. If everything around you. Is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock. I stand. There is a security I have. That's what the script. Listen, Rahab didn't didn't have years in the Christian faith. She just had faith in God. In a moment, and in that moment, Hallelujah! She obeyed and she honored the Lord, and God kept her safe. So I'm not concerned about tomorrow because I know who holds tomorrow. I'm, I'm, church, I think about Rahab, Rahab must be crazy. Like, see, see, just think about, just think about it. 
Why would you trust a God you have never seen instead of the armies of Jericho that you have seen built a secure wall? Have you ever thought about that? That Rahab put faith in a God she had never experienced above an army and a people who build a wall. A wall that up to that point no one thought it could be penetrated. Much less stumble. But something happened inside of her. Some word must have gotten to her about this God. For her to say, listen, I can't trust the security of this wall. I can't trust the security of these guarded, these soldiers here. I'm going to trust in the God that you serve. And that God came through when the walls came tumbling down. Listen, that says to me, church, that listen, you see this little thing here, this little car that we have, the little house that we have, the little bank we put our money in. Listen, those are the walls that Rahab saw. Those things have no security in them. Is it good to have them? Of course. I'm not telling you to get rid of them. I'm telling us to not make them number one. Because at the end of the day, when the shaking starts, they all going to fall. And the only thing remain is Christ and those who stand in him. Church, we are part of an unshakable kingdom. Unshakable kingdom. That is why when you see people around you, Oh Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, boy. We don't know they're going to make it. Hey, I know how, listen, I know how I'm going to make it. With God. Well, you have people around you, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Hey, really? You just tell them, listen, I'm part of a secure kingdom. I don't need to know what is going to happen. I know who is going to make it happen. And he's my king. And he's my Lord. It don't matter what going to happen for me. I'm secure because I'm in him. Yeah, listen, he is in control. He is in charge. He is the one. And I have a relationship with him. So I'm not perturbed by all that is happening around me. Listen, if you want peace in that, this time, that's how you have to live. If you want peace in the shaking, you must have security in Christ. We see constant upheaval and distress around us. And remaining calm and assured is difficult many times in this cutthroat, fast-paced world. Even if things are difficult, we can always see God's blessings. I want, listen, that's how I know that God is unshakable. That in the midst of the pandemic, I still see people testifying about the goodness of God. Listen, I guarantee that every single one of us in here, in the midst of this pandemic, has had at least one testimony of God's goodness, of God's blessing. In other words, listen, in all the shaking that is going on, God's blessing is still the same. Amen. Come on now. Listen, listen. Come on, clap your hands. That, that's, that, that's the thing. That the shaking for almost two years has not stopped the blessing power of God. Amen. So, so how I know this? The scripture says in Psalm 37 verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. 
in other words man i've been through some stuff i've seen some stuff i've experienced some shaking but in all the years of those things in all that had transpired the righteous has never been forsaken and up to this point their seed have never need to beg for bread why because in spite of all that happened god is still the blessed god forever that's the assurance we have church we worry about tomorrow we worry about how we're going to make it you don't need to god is still in control see christ wants us to see that he's god even when all hell break loose he's still god so your priority of christ or lack thereof is the deciding factor in your security that's it if christ is not number one then you're not going to feel secure. Because here's the thing, when trouble comes, your number one priority becomes your security. I want you to write that down somewhere. Whatever is your number one priority in life is where you're going to run to for security when pressure hits you. Let, let me say it a simpler way. Whatever you love the most is what you run to the most when you're in trouble. So when trouble take you, what fits you? Is it the presence of God? Is it a relationship? Is it money? Is it alcohol? What is it that fits you when trouble take you? Like Jamaicans would say. Because we run to what we love the most. Because here's it. If I'm giving you everything of me, when I need help, you are who I'm going to come to. So if the job is what you're giving, the best of your life, when you're in trouble, you're going to run to your job for help. But if your God is who is number one, when trouble takes you, you run to your God. Because we always run to the number one in our lives, in our trouble. So he will shake things up to get your priority back to himself. That's one of the things. He shakes things up to, to make you, you remember that he's number one. But he will also shake things up when he's number one. Sometimes he does that. He's number one and he wants to just shake things up. Because he has better things in store for us. Yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes, sometimes nothing wrong with the house, you know. You just have to redecorate it. You understand me? It look better. You understand me? Sometimes, sometimes everything is good, but you just, you just want to add a couple of stuff. You know, some people have a fairly good car and just say, listen, I need an upgrade. And sometimes God just, you know, God says, listen, I'm going to upgrade you. You just, need, you just need some upgrade. I'm going to upgrade you in a spiritual sense. You understand me? I know you have me as number one, but I'm going to take you to a next level. And some rumbling begins to take place. That's God's doing. He brings disruption. Because you have gotten so accustomed to certain things. So nothing on earth or above it or below it is beyond his shaking reach. God can shake anything, anywhere, anytime. See, God's perfect timing is in control of all situations. Let me say that to you again. Right now, in your life. God's perfect timing 
is in control of our situation. You know many times Jesus said this, the time has not yet come. Jesus said it often, my time has not yet come. Never measure God's timing based on your clock and years. For a day with the Lord is like a thousand. And a thousand is like a day. God don't operate on our chronological time order. Don't ever look at your life and say, where is God? It's ten years. God not working with that. God don't work with our ten years. It's ten seconds to God. So what you think is long? God is saying, hold on. Where, where do you get ten years from? Who told you it's ten years? The problem is that we think that God is subject to the chronological time order. So we measure everything in our life. Listen, I'm guilty of it. We measure everything in our life based on the chronological time order. So when we say that this has been too long, what do we base it on? Months? Well, days, months, and years. Or seconds, minutes, and hours. God don't measure anything by that. In fact, when creation started, he said the day and the evening and the evening and the morning and the day and the day and the evening. And that was the first day. It's just evening, morning and day and night. God never said hours. He said at, at creation, he said and the day, the night, the evening, and the morning. And evening is not when six o'clock reach. Evening is when God turn up and say evening. In other words, if God steps into our 2 p.m. and says good morning, 2 p.m. turns into 2 a.m. I want us to understand. What we call Wednesday, when God turns up, he said, this is the day. But he said, no, it's Wednesday. It's three days now. God said, no, this is the day. So our Saturday is this is the day to God. And I think that is what messes, it up, messes us up. We begin to think like somehow God's timing is off because it is too long. And God says, who gave you that time frame? Don't confine me to your time frame. I exist outside of time. There's no way that an eternal God can operate in the confine of time. That would make him not eternal. God forever stays outside of time and lives in eternity. So when eternity steps into time, time stops. And that day can be one day eternally. Because when God... You remember that Joshua he said the sun stands still? When God turns up, unless he wants the moon to shine, it can't. Or the sun to shine, it can't. Everything stops. And that day becomes the day. Okay. 
So time has let you know that something is ready. Our lives are not on our own timers. They are on his timers. Alright, so next time you're about to decide when it is time, you need to check God's time and not your time. Uh, if you're young and you think like, oh, think like, okay, I'm supposed to get married by this time, check God's clock. And not your clock. If you think it's time for you now to be blessed, check God's clock and not your clock. I'm, go- I'm going to close. If something is not ready for change, then changing it could be dangerous. So are you ready for change? See, our timers are subject to our finite minds and abilities. Are you ready for change? Because if you're not ready for change, and change comes, it could cause harm. The worst thing that could happen is that a person who is not ready for child gets pregnant. It could cause damage. It could be disastrous. But remember this. Our timers are subject to our finite minds and ability. When God's timer is followed, we know he can see the process. The whole process. So follow God's timer. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. Have no thought for tomorrow. Because no man knows what a day may bring forth. Live your best life today for God. And even in your plans, know that the counsel of the Lord will stand. No, I'm not asking you to be unwise. There's something that God allows us to do. You need to make preparation for your family. Scripture teaches that. But even in those things, understand that God is still in control. And tomorrow is not a guarantee. I want you to hear me. Because many of us, are living we're not living today we're living where we think we should be five years from now and so we can't enjoy today because we're living in a future life that we don't know we're going to get I want you to hear me you are messing up your life if you're living where you think you should be instead of where God has you right now. So give today the best shot you could possibly give it for God. Like today God, this is the day I'm giving you all. And tomorrow, if you live, you do the same. Don't worry about next year because you may not be here. You know how many people, over 1,800 persons in our country died just from corona. Over 1,000 in car accidents. These are ones that are counted because many died that don't count. Over 1,200 in murders. Like, right? So 1,800 and 1,200, that's 3,000, right? Plus 1,000, that's 4,000. Reported. We're not talking about other stuff. You know that, that those people had plans? And maybe many of them were living in a future that they 
never saw and they missed out on the today that they had. It's an ungrateful person that don't stop and live today and give God thanks but moves to live into a place where God hasn't sent them and complained. God's timing and our timing are not always the same. Scripture says in Isaiah 55 from verse 8 to 9, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. When God is getting ready to deliver something great, He creates labor pain. And maybe you're going through some labor pains right now. God is about to create something better and something greater in your life. See, a shaky situation that forces us to deal with the new place He's taking us to. You see, God does not want His people so attached to earth that they lose sight of heaven. He doesn't want us to be so attached to time that we lose sight of eternity. And I know this isn't easy. But if you look at all that heaven offers, you realize it's pointless to hold on to what earth has to give. Like, except leaving an inheritance for our children. What is the point of everything else on earth? Really think about it. Apart from leaving an inheritance for your kids, what is the point of everything else on earth? Just, just stop. Just, just close it. Really think. Like, why do you want it? Outside of, alright, if you knew that the kids were taken off for all of eternity, why do you want it? The question I have to ask me. So it's not just for you. But the truth is, we're so earthly focused that we forget that we're heaven bound. The great tragedy today is that God will shake stuff up and people don't know it's God who is shaking things up. So they don't make the connection to the purposes of God. Could it be that God is shaking things up in your life so you could check the priority of your life? Or maybe he's shaking things up because he's about to do a better thing in your life. You're complaining, you're arguing, you're running from it. You're disconnecting yourself from people and everything because obviously is the devil. So there's no greater experience you can have with God than when everything around you is shaking and you are unshakable. Can can you imagine like for some of you who you have not contracted COVID. At least you don't even know. 
if, if you're dead, you don't even know. And you don't think like, you don't stop and say, what an amazing God I serve. That. Because you don't even know who beside you had it. When the person said to you, you know I had it. You can't even change. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. You don't stop and say, God, though you're shaking things around me. You know that some of you who have had it and you have recovered. I have one brother. I mean, and it's a testimony. And for a while he has been absent from church. I mean, he come infrequently. Listen, COVID came and COVID got him. And yesterday I was speaking to him. He said, Pastor, there was one night I felt like this is the end of my life. Said that, and they said the Lord said to him, 35 years. And he have been playing church. 35 years. And in that moment, he said he felt the love of God. And, and everything changed. Now, I have not had to call him and tell him about anything that needs to be done at the church came and he did some work at my house. He got there. He's at men's prayer. He's at every prayer meeting now. He's at every Bible study that is online. He's at church services online. He's even watching right now. He almost died. But that was a shaking that he needed. Listen, I'd rather be shaken like that than to continue playing the fool and reap hell as my reward. So even if God is shaking you in the most unbearable way right now, there's something better at the end of the shaking. But it must give us great joy that I'm still standing in spite of all the shaking that has happened around me. I grew up in a community church. Tell it, God is so amazing. And all the dons that were there who not dead move overseas and they had this meeting recently and they decided listen we're going to go back and this is in white hall and and give back to the people in the community and thing and um so i was there yesterday to meet with them i mean so many of these guys they have changed their lives like in terms of what they were when they were young to where they were most of them are overseas all over the world living working and have their families and stuff all right so first question i asked them is that so what led to this you understand? You know what their response was? I mean, it took Corona for them to see the state that they left the community in. Like, the community is a, like, like the skeleton compared to what it was when I lived there. And, and a lot of them caused some of these things. 
And I saw big men saying, I can't believe it. And they are trying to find a way to restore hope. No, they are not Christians. But they realize that hope needs to be restored. Saying so, with all that is happening in the pandemic, all I'm saying to you is that look what God is doing. Because the shaking is pointing you to maybe something in your life or something around you that needs changing. But know this. You are in God's kingdom. And you remain unshakable as you remain in God. Come on, just stand. Let's just let's, let's pray right now. Come on, just tap your hands for Jesus, somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and join me. And we're going to worship him this morning. Come on, lift your hands. Begin to thank God that though things are shaken, you are in him and you will remain unshakable. If you feel like you don't have that security in him this morning, you just lift your hands and say, Pray, God, I want to be secure in you, Lord God. Ask him to take you to that place where you will be secure in him. Hallelujah.